0: Welcome to the Thrive at Twenty podcast, where we're celebrating 20 years of Thrive Partnership Group by sitting down with leaders who have helped shape the legacy of the organization. Here's founder Rob Sagan in conversation with one of those leaders today.
1: Well, good morning. We're pleased to be joined by Charles Tana, the new CEO at Busgrow and Answer Tech. And Charles, you're joining us for Pickering, Ontario, is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct, Rob. Thanks for having me today.
1: Oh, our pleasure. Um uh, great to chat and we're both looking at the same beautiful sunrise here this morning coming up over Lake Ontario. I'm just a little down the lake from you in Port Hope this morning having come back from some travel to Savannah, Georgia this week. So, uh quite a change in locale and weather. Steamy steaming hot down there, but <laughs> anyway, here we are on a gorgeous Friday morning. So, I am very keen to talk to you because uh this podcast is all about leaders who are thriving and uh a number of the people that we haven't come and very excited to hear about your huge accomplishments over the past six months on all fronts seems like you've got stuff going on and everything quite positive which is always nice right we get to talk about good stuff but let's start with um your work and uh, this new ceo gig that you started what two weeks ago does that sound about right
0: yeah, so going to just finish wrapping up the uh second uh, second week. So great start and uh yeah, very excited. I've got a great team around me, um, a nice undefined culture. So yeah, I look forward to uh, sharing a little bit of what I've learned so far.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna kind of go in reverse order than what I do with uh most of our guests because we usually start way back at the beginning, who's Charles? <laughs> what to find you and know, all that stuff, but since this is so new. And there's a lot of excitement about it. Can you give us a, a few early impressions? Who, what is Busgrow and AnswerTech and the business you've got there that you've just been hired to lead? And then uh, we'll go back to uh, your story and how you got there. But tell us a little bit about Busgrow. What's it all about?
0: Yeah, sure. And uh, I guess, first off, thanks for the uh, um over embellished uh, introduction. <laughs> uh, my well, head, my uh, head might be my head might be a little too big now, but I'll, I'll humble it down a little bit.
1: <laughs> well, I think the listeners will find that I'm right, you're wrong on this one. I think that uh, objectively, and I, because I, you know, all kidding aside, the I know you and I uh, actually are involved in a, a group, a leader impact group, a bunch of uh, men like ourselves who are trying to support each other through life's journey and everybody this summer was buzzing and texting me about hey did Charles get the job and so yeah there's a lot of excitement and you know, as you'll share with our audience some cool things you're doing on the personal front is the nest becomes a little emptier at your place but let's start with bus grow and then we'll work back to that stuff as we go
0: yeah sure so um yeah so at a real high level um bus grow has a, a been a family run business for uh 47 years um the the grandson is in the business. The the brothers have run the business and um, have had some growth, but has has kind of lost their swagger a little bit as, as it's been defined. And uh, they they embarked on a search to uh, find a people leader, a uh, culture first leader. I guess it was back in February. And um, I uh, I was was contacted by a, a recruiter and uh, thought, hey, why not explore this? Uh, if for nothing else but to to learn what it would be like to interview for a CEO position. I've often thought of myself as a, a, a great number two, and loved collaborating and and implementing. So um, took took a took a stab at the interview process and uh, kind of fell in love with the org and the idea through that process it was many 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 uh, months in the working and uh, a a lot of interviews so it impressed me that a family business took a role like this and a change like this so serious Uh, they definitely acted like a a very mature business which they are being 47 years old as i come into the business uh, Busgro is a manufacturer of high-end custom tailored digital print solutions uh for uh in manufacturing printing um you know in in the mailing space in the labeling space in the gift card space in the production space um printing you know on paper cardstock, on on flat cardboard stock right in the manufacturing process for high volume packaging and shipping uh so lots of neat things there and now many may think that you know digital inkjet printing is uh is slowing down because hard mail is slowing down. But, you know, if you just compare that, let's say, to gift cards, you know, machines that can print 20 different gift card um, images uh, while in production, while barcoding, scanning, denomination, and keeping everything in order, you know, that's a huge growing space. So quite interesting. It's a new industry for me. I've always been in uh, contract manufacturing, so building things for people like Buscrow. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's really neat it fills my passion of growing manufacturing in ontario uh, my personal mission is that you know my grandkids will have an opportunity to work in manufacturing if they choose in this province the um, the second company that's within the the busgrow family is uh, anertech and that's uh, a machine shop so it's it's vertically integrated to busgrow where uh, the printing solution uh, that busgrow manufactures uh, we Build most of the metal that goes into the machine, so we have an in house metal shop, and um, that metal shop also serves about ten different customers in a couple different industries, but they do some medical, they do some industrial um, and a lot of mechanical so uh, it's it's quite nice we're uh we're looking at both businesses in a in a growth fashion. And uh, definitely sales will be a big part of, uh, of the growth, but uh, getting our, our people behind one common vision and uh, defining uh, the values-based culture that we have a little bit better uh, is uh, really exciting to me.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting that you're, you use some language there when you're talking about the way that you found out about Bus Girl and the opportunity to be a CEO, like a dance, you know, like uh, – it it brings up that image for the listener. I'm sure as it did for me that, you know, remember we were young bucks, the high school dance and you're kind of looking around the room. Um, and it's that girls on one side of the room, boys on the other. And we're all thinking about, well, where's, (laughs) where's the girl for me? And you know, it's, it, it is a little bit like that really, isn't it? When you feel like you're at the point where you're ready for your next level of challenge in your career, like you were a number of months ago. And, uh, you start to initiate the dance. So tell us a little bit about what you learned about yourself as you went through that stage. Because a lot of our listeners, of course, uh, in this economy in particular, it's uh, quite typical that after two three years, whether they choose to stay with the same company or they decide to go uh, find another dance partner, uh, a lot of folks find that, challenge of the finding the right dance partner uh, one that's not easy to be successful at. It's a grind. In fact, it's soul crushing would be the only way to describe it. Especially I had, and you you and I had some friends in common that went through it during COVID. God love them. Uh, but even post COVID, I hear from people almost on a weekly basis. I hear someone tell me uh, some sad and difficult tales about being out there now, it's always a little better when you've got a gig and you're looking for your next challenge or gig, whether you stay at the same company or move out. Uh, but even those people will tell me some stories that are just, uh, wow, really, that's how you get treated as a candidate. But in particular, if you're between gigs looking for work, it could be a little disheartening. But tell me about your experience and what was it like over the last six months as you went through that experience of, you know, I think you and I called it the happy feet stage where you you're really thriving in a job and you love it and you're i know you really liked your time at MicroArt, where you were number two um and you're doing a lot of good stuff there but what well, what did you learn about yourself over the last six months
0: yeah that's uh that's interesting i think the first word that jumps to my mind is loyalty uh is 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 the thing i learned uh, about myself um before I jump into that, I guess I'd put a plug. I mean, meeting the group at uh, IQ Partners, uh, I mean, that was just such a, a, a neat experience in itself. Uh, you know, their professionalism and the way they helped BusGrow define the role, the responsibilities, the need, and the fit. Uh,
1: so, so, you know, start. A, they're, they're a professional recruiting company, just so our listeners know who I am. Right, partners, correct. Right? Yeah yeah
0: yeah so meeting with them and uh you know kind of it felt like i had to pass you know a, a starting gate or, or an interview process with them first before um i even got introduced to the, to their client and um so it it was it was a fun process but the loyalty piece jumped in like kind of right away cuz i was Thriving, I'll call it, uh, with with the existing role at the time, uh, really enjoying it. Contract manufacturing was my passion for like all of my career and uh, some really, really good things happening in the growth plan and the vision and the strategy, in the team building. And, um, you know, it was, you know, we were coming out of the winter and uh, coming out of COVID and, you know, things were really booming. I mean, record sales, record growth, record plans, uh, all ahead of us. And uh, at, in in my first interview, it, you know, it happened to be a day off, um, I think during March break. And uh, I almost felt like I was cheating on someone. And uh, yeah. I've, I've never done that before in my career. I never yeah. really went out and looked for a job um you know that sort of thing uh they just kind of merged one to the next um with with a lot of openness um you know talking about fit and maybe the next thing uh this is what I would like to do and maybe that's outside of the organization and the organization helped with the next fit um so it, it was it was that loyalty piece the process in itself um yeah definitely you know, I thought I was inspired in the, in the role I was in, but then learning, you know, that forced learning and preparation uh, for interviews and meeting new people and moving into an industry that's completely new, um, really being clear on kind of a, a plan and an approach and a style uh, was just super engaging. Uh, so that was definitely another learning. Uh, But the loyalty piece, I struggled with that, you know, halfway through the process, I wanted to tell, you know, my current leadership team that I was thinking about this, but of course, you can't, Uh, maybe you can, but I I chose not to. Um, And, uh, and then, you know, as I got closer and closer, made it to the final eight, made it to the final two, made it to the final one, um, you know, you know, definitely felt some anxiety um because of the loyalty but then you know prayed about it uh spoke very openly professional um uh with uh with microart and uh it was it was it was welcomed and, and actually you know mark wood at microart when uh you know when we had our discussion took a minute to pause came back and you know was really really nice and said you know charles i'm, I'm proud of you uh go get him And uh, so that's really great. And then oddly enough, I mean, MicroArt is uh, is a supplier of uh, Bus Grosso. You know, I get to
1: watch the contract manufacturing
0: uh, from this side now.
1: Yeah, that story says some really important things just as as we unpack it. it, Here's the one thing that obviously is a quick takeaway there there on uh, Mark and MicroArt. That's such a positive way for a very win-win relationship to uh, have his last uh, chapter in that book on his part and on your part too. I think that's almost one of the best I've heard in like forty years of business. So good on both of you guys to have that kind of an outcome. Um, the other thing—it's interesting when you mention the folks at IQ Partners. Um, I I know some people over there just by coincidence, and I. I'm uh, glad to say that Kelly Meadows and the group over there, they stand out to me as a positive outlier. Their professionalism. Um I know you and I, and most people who are going to listen to this podcast have not the greatest image of the recruiters that are out there in a lot of cases, that they're sort of heartless. They move meat. You no, know, they they <laughs> they capitalize on this sort of movement of meat being human beings and careers and life's lives. But I I think there's something about Kelly and the group there that man, that they, that they create such a positive contrast. They really care about both parties. They really care about their clients that reach out to them. They really try to understand their business model. They ask a lot of really intelligent questions about values and character culture and fit. Um, I find them so progressive. They take that extra time and you can just tell, like when you talk to Kelly, you feel like you're talking to like a friend, a really, friend, really a genuine person who wants to know, you know, about you, what's happening, what's going on with your family. You know, she's, she's a real professional. And then it comes across, I've sent a few candidates to her along the way. And they say the same thing that you experience. Like they work hard for their clients, but then they do a good job with you to allow you to have this journey of discovery about yourself and about the client. And listen, if I guess mathematically most of the time doesn't work out at the end where there's a consummated deal, right. For the person and the client, but I can see why they're a successful recruiting company because they, they're patiently working people. I'm sure there were at least a number of those final eight candidates that were coming from them. And I'm sure if we talked to those folks, they would say the same kind of things you did, that there was a really good preparation and a, and a, I remember Kelly telling me one time when I talked to her that the winning outcomes are twofold. Either you quickly realize that when you've done the due diligence, it's a no and it should be a no and both parties shake her hand and go, thank you, but thanks for the opportunity, but I'm glad we came to the conclusion that it's no. Or the quick, both parties come to the conclusion with the right approach that it's a yes, that they feel like they got the right man at the right time or the right person at the right time. Um, and there, there's that sort of Acknowledgement, but the other two scenarios are not good, and you can't force them. Like, if you take the job, but you shouldn't have Charles six months from now, you'll be angry at IQ partners, right? Right, You should, like, you forced this square peg into this round hole. This is horrible. I need to get out of here. I left a great situation as a strong number two, thought I wanted to be this number one, and oh my god, what am I? What have I signed up for? I wish the recruiters hadn't lied to me or whatever, right? Misrepresented it. not done their due diligence on my behalf. And on the other hand, if the, if the hiring company ends up with the wrong candidate and you've been packaged the wrong way, well, they're not happy. And now they have to go through the whole process again, the expense, the downside to the business. So it's it's good. I think they have probably learned over time, and she's told me this, that they take the approach they take because if you play the long game here, um, you don't want those forced decisions that seem short-term to be right and, and tick a box and get someone a paid invoice for recruiting because it will come back at the end of the day and not be a good outcome, not, not, a, not an ideal outcome for anybody. So that's good. And then the third thing I want to unpack about what you just shared in that anecdote is you're probably, of all the people I've met in my travels, if we didn't grow up in the same industry, uh, we met you know, just a number of years ago through a mutual friend. But from day one, I have to say you're probably one of the most self-aware people I've ever met. Like you, you're you know who you are, and uh, you invest in self-awareness. Like you don't take yourself for granted. It's kind of interesting. I would just you're someone who can stand apart from yourself and watch and learn and adapt. Like I know that sounds weird, but I I I hear the way you talk even about yourself. This thing about loyalty. It's like you're talking about another person, but it's you. (laughs) You learned this about yourself, that this is a a value that maybe has been blatant or just part of who you are, what, what makes up Charles Tana, but it really came to the surface in this, in this process for you. How does it help you now define the way you want to lean into this new job? Charles, why is loyalty now that you're aware of it being a bigger core value? Uh, does it perhaps play a little bit more of a featured role in this, in this new play you have at uh, Busker? Group?
0: Yeah, the, thanks for that question, Rob. It's got my gears turning. Um, I didn't really think of, of loyalty uh, as, as uh, I guess, a core value. But when I look at the team around me today, I mean, they're, they're, they're wonderful. I feel like I've been adopted into the family uh quite quickly. Um, you know, it's a smaller organization. There's there's like 42 to 45 people. Um, I've met probably half of them thus far. And uh it made, the tenure is is very impressive. You know, you can definitely see that the Cropmans, um were a very value-based organization. Um, and you know, family was first the average tenure is 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 20 years and uh it's great to talk to some some of the team members that have been here 27 30 years who who are just gone oh man you feel right i've been so loyal to this and this just feels right and and this next step i can't wait to see what we're all going to do together and um so i think yeah loyalty is is maybe the, the the new word i'll I'll write up on the whiteboard for a little bit um it's uh it's obvious here and um i think it is it is a blessing uh to be a loyal person i i I think and uh I think loyal brings you know genuine and and hopefully loyal brings uh humble and um you know if I can engage a bit more hunger um you know we talked a little bit earlier about that swagger uh, that's how it was kind of defined uh to me through the through the search, and uh you know boom it seems like most of us are smart so i love that patrick Lencioni line the uh, you know the ideal team player is the hungry humble smart um but that kind of equals loyalty too uh, in in many in many cases when uh, you've got a team with a, a lot of tenure so yeah
1: a neat word to think about for sure it really is and it's unique here in this sort of mix of variables in your first impression at uh, busgrove and amber right It's something that's now striking you a few weeks into the gig. And I think you and I are gonna have some fun over the next several months as we engage with each other and talk, talk about what it's been like. I think we're gonna find we're gonna come back to that word a little bit. How do you leverage the strong heritages there, the family bonds and connections, and yet be the new, you know, adopted son? in a way that you're bringing it's like a son-in-law that you know marries one of the daughters of the family comes into the family it's like that kind of thing right where you see those depictions on television shows and we see things like that in our personal lives but i i think that what's exciting for them and for you i'm sure and that are your partners here at uh, the recruiting company at iq would have the same perspective on this that the best of both worlds is a really exciting thought. Uh, if you can squeeze the lemon on all of the value that could be derived from the 47 years that they've had there, the, mar- the market knowledge, the category knowledge that they would have, the relationships, the bonds between the people at Bustro in a lot of cases, like you say, go 20 years, and combine that with your Outlook, be the newcomer, the freshness, the the swagger, the the skills you have, especially around culture and people and sales and human connections. It you put all that in a mix together, and uh, it gets pretty exciting. It, yeah, there's
0: there's definitely an, an excitement around, um, you know, definitely you know my first day, you know, pulling everyone together for a town hall and sharing. Uh, you know, a, a really high level of the first 90 days, what, you know, I, I want to uh, achieve and, and what I expect. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, so for the first 30 days, I want you to expect nothing but some really fun conversations and a little bit of uh, data collection uh, through, through Q&A with each of you. And, and someone said, um so you're not gonna do anything in the first 30 days? <laughs> and I and I kind of went, no, I'm not. I'm gonna focus on people. Um, you know, then we'll get into strategy and and then we'll, you know, get into execution and, and and figure out a growth plan and and then we'll make sure we got enough cash to support the growth. But no, the first 30 days, uh, it's gonna be fun. Uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about people. And then you know, after that, it's gonna be fun and exciting. And then after that, that it's gonna be fun, exciting, and hard work. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's so far, it's, it's definitely a bright spot.
1: It, you know, it's fun to think, uh, how is it similar to what you expected when you think back over the years? As business people, we all play with that idea. I wonder what would happen when someone hand, handed me the keys, you know, to be the CEO. Uh, you worked really hard, and we'll get into your journey here in a few minutes. To put yourself in this spot uh, at the middle of your career, where now you built up the the acumen, the confidence, the ability to uh, run a business, to be the leader, uh, to be the CEO. Uh, When you thought about what that would be like, how does it compare to the first couple of weeks? Like, is it what's what's the same? What's different? What's your first take on it?
0: Oh, I'm scared.
1: <laughs> you
0: know, it's uh yeah, I got the keys. I got the keys to the front door. I came in early today to run uh, you know, a, a leader impact meeting. And oh man, am I gonna be able to disarm the alarm? <laughs> so, you know, I, I got past that obstacle. And um yeah, it's I'm gonna treat it like my house. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna make sure it's protected. I'm going to make sure it's uh, in order, it, you know, a, a place for everything and everything in its place, right. It's going to be organized. And, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks in, you know, I could start kind of in my office. And uh, so, you know, cleaning that, making sure my, my wires are are neat and tidy and, uh, you know, the, the clutter is not there. And then, you know, outside my office already seeing people you know cleaning up a a little bit just you know a new a new set but you know this is this is going to be home and uh whether it's you know picking up some stuff that's you know been dropped by accident and and not noticed and you know picking up a a, you know a tissue or a piece of scrap and and putting it in the garbage but yeah just you know it it's going to be it's going to be home for a while so treat it like home and um yeah I, I, I guess it's like getting a new house you go in it's super exciting you, you you organize a few things you respect how the previous owners put things in place and you reflect when you look around but yeah I, I, I'm just in that honeymoon romance phase I don't know like it's 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 exciting and uh, nerve-wracking in the same and you know, it, 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 there's a little bit of fear there. Just like when you walk into that 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 house for the first time, you know,
1: what creaks and cracks uh, are there?
0: Um, yeah, but so you know, this far- is why,
1: Charles, this is why you're one of my favorite people. You know, we became fast friends because I gotta tell you that I'm laughing right now because here we're talking about a guy who took on his first CEO gig. And this everybody's excited around you, all your friends and family and all the people that know that you're one of our guests. And I ask you, you know, the very first thing that you, you're feeling, and you use the word scared. Like, don't go try to sell a book now about you being this hotshot CEO because no one's. <laughs> I see the title <laughs> of a book come out, scared. You know, that's not going to be a bestseller. But it's you. It's so friggin' honest and appropriate because I, I I've got a son in the music business, and uh, I remember we talked about this, and it's a little bit about you know how does it feel just before you go on the stage and go up to the keyboard and honestly, same thing. Like yeah. if you don't have the little butterflies float around, uh, then why are you doing it? Like it should be a little scary. It's exciting. Right? It's the same kind of thing. So God, love yeah, I think, you. I think love it's the same. Answer.
0: I think it's the same feeling too. Like that adrenaline, you know, my daughter was a, you know, elite ish uh, hockey player and athlete. And, you know, there's nerves and there's excitement and, you know, there's fear and there's strength, but the chemicals in your body, I think are the same. So, you know, as you walk in you know, scared, I, I do my power pose, and the excitement comes in. And, uh, you know, you get in front of the team, you put your heart on your sleeve, and you, you, you trust in your faith and, and your behaviors. And, uh, you, you, you know, you turn that energy into into a message, I guess. And, um, yeah, uh, I think people can feel, you know, the passion. And, um, you know, I look forward to sharing that. But yeah. I'd be lying oh. if I didn't say I was a little scared.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but probably- I'm gonna,
0: I, I, I promise I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bust my tail um, doing what's right and, uh, you know, uh, uh, leaning on my team and using my team and uh, uh, being very, very open and transparent to build something together so that we're, we're all in the same, the same place together.
1: You know, I'm tempted to get you to send me the contact information for some poor sod there at the, at the new gig. Who has maybe been there for 20 years? Who had I got?
0: I I know exactly who it is.
1: (laughs) Okay, yesterday.
0: Okay, we got to send me. You you got to have Rob.
1: You got to send me contact information. But I'll tell you the reason I want to reach out is just for my own entertainment. I want to sit and talk to someone like that who represents the heart of Bus And ask them. So, what did what was what do you what did you think the new CEO was going to do and be like? And how does it contrast with what you've seen for the first two weeks? And just listen to them talk. it would be, be hilarious. You know, they're <laughs> probably thinking, oh, this guy's going to come in here, some ball buster, and start firing people and making all these changes. I don't know what they thought, but <laughs> you come in the door and you're the, the most open book, humble guy, very smart, and but people are probably going. You want to do what? You want to do nothing for the first 30 days but talk to people? Okay. <laughs> it's probably 180 degrees different than what they thought. And I think it's great, by the way, but <laughs> that would be hilarious. Uh, good stuff. Okay, so how did Charles Tana... Let's back up. I think we're going to jump back to maybe the beginning, if you will, but tell us a little bit about your upbringing, because I know it had a big impact to... Benefit from the kind of household and the upbringing that you got from your folks, and the environment they created your faith. Um, So let's go back to that. Tell us a little bit about you, your family, and a little bit about your journey to this point.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, I I mean, I love this uh, because it's you know it's definitely about my mom and my dad, and you know we were that traditional family. You know, uh, my dad immigrated um from from Malta and uh you know uneducated but Canada was uh opportunity Ontario had GM his oldest brother who was uh um 14 siblings uh, ahead of him he was my dad was the youngest and you know his oldest brother came to Canada and was working at GM so uh, my dad followed and my dad did 35 years you know on the line at GM and um my mom on her feet all day every day she was a a hair stylist uh, instructor or teacher she ran a um a school in Oshawa uh that uh, that taught people how to uh, become a hair stylist and uh so they they worked really really hard um pretty middle class and um They were, you know, at work, I think they had a lot of friends, they had a lot of influence Uh, outside of work, the same, they were entertainers. Um, So our house was always full. And, uh, you know, they were leaders in the church, they ran a worldwide marriage encounter for a long, long time. And, um, you know, as as I was growing up hearing a lot of, uh, you know, counseling down in the living room, um, you, know, you know I'd be up in in my room you know playing or doing whatever but but hearing this care and this love um, you know it was just a, it was a neat upbringing and my sister would probably say the same uh, we're, we're so blessed both my sister and I are are leaders uh, in our industry or in in our workspace and um, you know we owe that all to our parents because our parents weren't leaders in their workspace but they were leaders everywhere else and um, you know so you know some of that shed off onto, onto, onto us. And uh, both my sister and I were fortunate to, uh, you know, to, to go to college or university and get educations and, you know, get jobs off of the the production floor or off of our feet all day long. And, um, but we've never lost, you know, our roots where we came from. So for me, I've been recognized a couple of times as, you know, man, Charles, you can just get out and walk along the production floor and, you know, treat treat people or talk to people as if you're talking to CEOs or executives. And I was like, well, yeah, of course, I'm talking to my dad. Um, <laughs> uh, w- 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 why not? Why is that strange? Why is that being acknowledged or recognized? So I don't know, maybe do you call it humble beginnings? Maybe you do, I'm not sure. But yeah, we definitely owe everything to our parents. And um, they, set, uh, they set the knitting. And then, um, you know, I think... Through high school, there was always encouragement, um, and um, you know when we got into you know, university or college, it was super excitement and, and tons and tons of support and tons of pride from our parents. On so, you know that you know gives you a bit of confidence because you know the people behind you are behind you, and yeah. uh, they they want your way forward to be better than theirs. And uh, you know, seeing that from our parents is is very rewarding, and it also sheds off that I'm never. You know, more proud than when I see someone on my team excel, get the next promotion, go somewhere else, and do great things. Uh, you know, I can't wait. You know, for those things uh, to happen around me, and uh, maybe it's that motherly or fatherly leadership approach. But uh, yeah, that that all comes from uh, our parents for sure.
1: Well, and it's it's uh, not a surprise now to you and I to see how important those seeds of encouragement in the family structure are bearing their fruit here, you know, say 40 some years later. Maybe it takes takes a while to fully realize it. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it throughout your life, but here you are at the top of your game uh, and having that very important skill of human connection and it's genuine and it's just who you are. It doesn't have to be something that's mechanical and someone had to take you aside and teach you basic human dignity and respect skills. But those seeds of encouragement that your mom and dad planted in you through a very good home, a good upbringing, uh, solid roots, you know, um, boy, you're such a walking example of that, but I'm sure you see what I see that Folks who weren't blessed enough to have that in their upbringing um, have to work really hard to overcome it. There's always, you know, there's things like self confidence, second guessing, um, self consciousness. The, these struggles probably never stop. But when you've got, Two parents and lots of folks around them, like their friends what's that corny expression it takes a village <laughs> well, right it takes a village, but what does that village do? if it does anything, it's the word encouragement, like Charles, go try this, go, so what if you fail, you learn from it, pick yourself back up, all that stuff, right when we were young bucks in our parents' houses, and you and I are both blessed by that similar background where we had a tremendous family support network and system and faith and um, you know we all have enough flaws and there's enough negative challenges and suffering in the world that it's a bloody miracle that we end up having any kind of success in the first place. But without encouragement, I don't know how people end up you know accomplishing even the some of the most basic things, but let alone take on responsibility for leading an organization like you are right now. Um, so, yeah, your 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 story of your family is such an important part of what's happened, you know, with and for you over the years. I'm glad you shared that. Now, tell us a little bit about your your own family. You've got two wonderful kids and a wonderful wife and a nice situation. So give us a little background there and then a little bit about your work journey uh, pre-bus grow.
0: Sure. Um, Yeah, when you were just chatting there, Rob, you know, trust came to mind, and uh, you know, I think I think one of the advantages is you know when you see when you see your parents trust one another um, and you know be married. You know, my parents celebrated their fiftieth wedding anniversary a little while ago, and uh, so did Michelle's, uh, my wife. Her parents have celebrated their fiftieth wedding anniversary, and um, so you just see trust. So trust almost comes natural. So the foundation in the family. You know, is definitely trust, Um, you know, the foundation in the family, you know, working your things out. My parents taught, you know, daily dialogue. And if you can't uh, do dialogue daily, write a letter every day, right? Because you have to, you know, be open and uh, you have to be committed to one another. And, you know, there's then you then you can pull accountability into that. And I think it's just just kind of natural if it all builds off of trust and then and then performance, whether it's at work or in the household or in the marriage, you know, just it it comes to the top on its own in many ways. So super, super blessed. You know, I met Michelle uh, in high school. She was the uh, she was the high school athlete of the year for many years. And, you know, I was the high school clown. and. Um, so we met, but you know, quick, we saw that our families were very similar, and and there was a spark there, and that that carried on. We went to different uh, schools uh, after high school, and you know, did the long distance thing, and um, yeah, just had this really cool foundation. Again, you, you know, there's got to be a ton of trust uh, to survive that sort of thing, and we got married in 1998. Um, had had a daughter first in uh, 2000 and. Uh, Three, I hope I got that right, I think I did, and um you know that that was Jessica, and uh you know that was a a super fun time, you know you got your first house you your your first kid is coming, we spent enough time just you know celebrating our love for one another prior to children, and um you know then the family thing happened um. Then, um, you know, head head number two, uh, CJ. And uh, so CJ today is, uh, will be 17 next week. And uh, Jessica's uh, 20 um, and uh, she's off at school. So super proud there. CJ's going, you know, just starting grade 12 and looking at what he wants to do um, for university. And, um, you know, when number two came around, uh, I guess we got, we got kicked down quite a bit. You know, Jessica was this perfect little baby. And then when CJ was born, he was born with only one lung. So, um, you know, he's 17 now and he's totally perfect. Uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways and, uh, you know, pulled Michelle and I and our families, you know, through the ringer, uh, a little bit now. So we, we had the first three months of his life at sick kids, mm. You know, amazing things and amazing doctors there. But, uh, you know, you know, now you look at it and you're like, wow, did that ever make us all stronger? Um, You know, going through some of those things and uh, it it links into my, my workplace and probably what shaped me as well. I was at creation technologies at the time and, you know, my whole team and my whole leadership team are super excited, right? Someone's having a baby and um, yeah, this could, uh, this could pull out some emotions potentially, but uh, you know, three, four hours, you know, I, I called into work. Hey, yep. We're going to the hospital. Um, won't be in today. And then, uh, called, uh, you know, six hours later or something and said, yeah, we're at sick kids. Things aren't that great. And, um, you know, my, my direct leader was at the hospital, you know, before some family was and, uh, you know, people that were on my team were at the hospital and, uh, boy, did that change the way I, I, I saw, you know, the people side of, of work. And, um, you know, I think it was one of those things, you know, when you get racked together, you stick together and, um, you know, many, many friends still and colleagues and, you know, co-leading groups with, uh, with, with, with people from that era. Um, but, um, to see the importance of, uh, Family and extended family, when you go through something like that, uh, definitely shaped me my leadership. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to, you know, be there for other people that have gone through things like that. And uh, so is Michelle. Um, but uh, yeah, neat, a neat side of the story that you didn't think was so neat when it was happening. Um, is it compassion or is it a, just this thought that, boy, things can get worse? Um, and when they're worse, you know, there's others around you that things can get you even worse. So you grab strength. In that. Um, and then of course you you pull faith in and out of your life when you go through things like that. Um, but uh yeah, I, I think it's about people first always. And uh, you know, people are always going through different things. You might you might not always know, but being open uh when when you do go through things like that, teams will rally around that and, and move mountains for you. So yeah, it was, it and was a neat that, time and a
1: neat learning. Yeah, like you say, now you look back and you can see. All the blessings you derive and all the lessons you derive from that, you—if you could sit down with your 21 year old self and look at that and say to that 21 year old, "Hey, Charles, just so you know, your crystal ball, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna go through this. And trust me. As much as right now you want to cry and not keep going and not take that on, uh, when you get to the other end of it." Um, it'll be not only life-defining, but it'll be career-defining. Like, look at the way your colleagues at Creation Tech responded to that. And I'm sure you've seen what I've seen, that, that that's probably a positive outlier response. Thank goodness. Um, not sure you would have got that same response from the majority of employers. I hate I hate to say that, but that's probably true but there's some fantastic people there that you've introduced me to over the years. And I've met, you know, guys like Duncan Reed and uh, other folks, but you look at that now, I'm sure you, you've taken a lot of, of that in your basket uh, as you've gone on to other things at micro art and bus grow, because there was such a, profound impact on supporting you guys as a family um, and helping you be successful as a dad, but then also it just showed you what good companies are based on, right? Those core values that when they need to come to the surface, when things are not easy, when things are tough, well, that's what you find out whether those core values that are sitting on some website actually mean anything or not, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, they could have just sent the card, the flowers, the well wishes, and I'm, I am hate to say it, but that's probably what a lot of companies would have done. And guys like Duncan and others, I'm sure, you look at it now and go, wow, they were as important to me as my family.
0: Yeah, it, talk, it talks to the values, right? Are are they words on the wall or are they real? And I'd way rather witness the behaviors and the experience than read them up on a wall when I enter a lobby, so... Uh, yeah. That, that was kind of, that was that real defining moment and um, boy, the passion. And, you know, I, I think I had 10 years after that uh, with, with creation until we sold and um, yeah, definitely taught a lot, but to, to come into Bucks grow that, you know, is a values based organization. Uh, yeah. I'm, we're going to live that.
1: Yeah. Can you speak to any other, Experiences between creation and bus grow that you found particularly relevant, and you're so glad you had now as you take on uh, CEO responsibility.
0: Oh, all of them for sure. And my, you know, my passion changed between, um, uh, I'll say creation and, and, and bus grow. I, I worked at a couple different places. Um, you know, I thought, you know six or seven years ago, I thought, oh, I want the C-suite. Um, and I got an opportunity to work for a, you know, a, a, a Chinese organization um, and uh did a ton of travel and had an EVP role and worked with a really great CEO, uh, Carl at Season Group. And um we had a we had a lot in common and we really wanted to build up, you know, a um you know values-based organization and I had a lot of fun. Um, but it wasn't without sacrifice and um I was doing 150 to 200 days a year on the road uh running or leading um five different facilities around the world and um you know relatively young family at home and and um I probably turned to me for a while um and I was probably saying I a little bit too much and uh uh I was on a hockey tournament trip with my, with my daughter on one of the seldom weekends that I was home. And my daughter has this way of, you know, dropping heavy stuff with a two-syllable dad. So we're driving um, and she's that ad and uh, <laughs> it was going to be heavy. And she's like, I thought your job was to create jobs in Ontario. Why are you creating jobs in other places in the world and taking jobs from Ontario? And uh whoa, that was pretty whoa. Heavy. yeah. <laughs> There's a smack upside
1: the head from your daughter.
0: <laughs> yeah, so then that started the conversations to exit and uh and that built my purpose. You know, my purpose is to create manufacturing jobs in Ontario, uh, so that my daughter's proud of me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that was definitely, you know, an eye opener. Um, you know, we we work in a world economy, it's never going to go away. But um, if I can have a little dent there, um, that would be great. And, and, you know, that led me to, you know to micro art a smaller place uh in, in Markham Ontario that you know really matches that you know Mark Wood was born and raised in Markham Ontario and wants to build Markham Ontario um and uh, so that fit pretty well and then a very very similar story that gets connected is 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 Buscrow, right right here in the same building they started in Pickering. So for the first time I get to work in Durham region where I was born and raised and live. Uh, and super excited about that um, to give back actually to the community I'm actually a part of. Um, and um, yeah, that, that was, that was an eye opener in between, you know, that time at creation and this time at grow at that was a huge learning and definitely an inspiration and, and definitely a big part of creating my, my personal purpose.
1: You know, the other thing that stands out to me, Charles, uh, thinking about you um and the way that you impact people is you're probably one of the most effective people at living your faith without either underplaying the card or overplaying the card because we know people who don't do both of those things but you're very comfortable in your own skin you're very comfortable in your faith journey as well how does that help you be a better leader at work i hmm. i guess faith
0: um it it helps me not worry about the little things, perhaps. Um, Trust, you know, I trust there's a, there's, there's a whisper that I'll hear when I need to hear it. Um, Confidence, maybe, Um, you know, we can read leadership book after leadership book and, um, you know, do they all flip right back to, 2000 plus years ago when you know a leader was saying you know be kind uh, be gracious uh, be grateful have grace um treat you know your neighbor as your loved one yeah i does that answer I, I mean i, I think that, it just yeah it, it does gives you a little bit of yeah faith i guess that's the right word yeah
1: yeah and it manifests like I know I hit you with that question kind of suddenly, but I loved your honest reaction, which it really comes down to those simple ideas, but are so profoundly important because good Lord, just walk into any, well, in the old days, I suppose, but I just saw this when I was in uh, Atlanta going through, running through the Atlanta airport. I stopped and asked for directions to the gate at one of those, you know, all purpose, nice stores. They have got in the Atlanta airport and there was this like four shelves of uh, books and half of them are self-help for crazy business people like me running through an airport and i bet you every one of those books is just really regurgitating those simple truths and lots of people are making a lot of money off writing those books as you say or teaching those courses and uh, repackaging the simple wisdom that comes from the example of what you could argue even as a secular person if you were a secular person uh, the leadership impact of Jesus Christ as Jesus of Nazareth is measurably the biggest in world history. And so even if you're a secular person, you have to have curiosity. Why is that? A, a man who never wrote down anything has 2000 years later, the biggest following on the planet. And as you have lived and you are seeing this now even play out, I'm sure this week and maybe today, there are going to be chances for you to pull that wisdom into something that will be profoundly important at work. And I'm sure when you go through the door for dinner and have your weekend, it'll come to the surface again. It's not impertinent. In fact, it's relevant every single minute of every single day. And I'm so happy to hear that it's uh it's a reservoir of wisdom, as simple as it is, that you get to pull from um, all the time. And right now, it's probably right there in front of you coming into a situation, which, as you said, is scary. There's a lot of newness to it. It's exciting. But, boy, what an advantage for you to have that to draw from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Well, listen, I really enjoyed our catch-up this morning. This has been a lot of fun. And I, as usual, I've got more things I want to talk about, more questions. Every time we have conversations, I have notes and I'm looking forward to our our next catch-up. But I'm really glad you shared some of this with our Thrive uh, Thrive at 20 podcast series. And uh, maybe we'll do it again, but that was awesome. Really appreciate your time here this morning, Charles. And wish you nothing but the best at Grow and to you and your you're a great team there and your family, uh, you know, you, you deserve the blessings that you've you've derived. So good on you. And uh, we'll look forward to talking soon.
0: Thanks so much. Um, really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's a great start to, uh, to a Friday. Uh, I'll take some of this
1: energy and uh, share it with the team today. Thank you. You're welcome. Talk to you soon.